Adam Simmons is a saxophonist, a composer, an educator, and now the editor of the new Dingo Australian Jazz Journal. And he is our very special guest on this episode of the Australian Jazz and Groove Podcast. Welcome back to this very special episode of the Australian Jazz and Groove Podcast. My name is David Galea, and as we mentioned in the intro, today we'll be talking to Melbourne jazz musician Adam Simmons about the Dingo Australian Jazz Journal. He is the editor of this very fine new publication, and right off the bat, can I just encourage you to pause this podcast, go to the website dingojazz.com, and get yourself a subscription. It's affordable, and it's just a beautiful publication. And as you will hear, as we talk to Adam, the magazine has a fantastic mission statement behind it, and it's operated by musicians. On this episode, we'll be listening to particular artists that are featured in some way in this very first episode of the Dingo Australian Jazz Journal. And as you'll hear, the magazine covers a diverse range of jazz from across the country and covers a wide range of subjects connected with the Australian jazz landscape. We also have the privilege of playing a new track from trumpeter and composer Nadja Nordhaus from her yet-to-be-released recording. So we have so much to look forward to in this episode. But to get us underway, let's hear a great track from Melbourne organist Jake Mason, and he is also featured in the very first episode of the Dingo Australian Jazz Journal. And he released in 2018 an album entitled Stranger in the Mirror. So we're going to hear a track off that album entitled Please, Please, Please. And this track features Danny Fisher on drums, James Sherlock on guitar, Jake on Hammond organ, and Paul Williamson on saxophone. So enjoy this. It's Please, Please, Please. Thank you. 
So that was Please, Please, Please from Jake Mason and his latest recording, Stranger in the Mirror. So now to a special live performance from the launch concert of the Dingo Australian Jazz Journal on April 30th, 2021. The Dingo Jazz Journal was released and to commemorate that release, the folks at Dingo Jazz organised a concert at the Thornbury Theatre in Melbourne. So before we hear our special interview with Adam Simmons, editor of the Dingo Jazz Journal, let's hear a snippet from the concert that has been kindly given to us by the team at Dingo Jazz. Now this is a track from AIM, the Artists in Music Ensemble, and it's called Philosophy. It's composed and arranged by Sam Boone. And this ensemble, as you'll hear, is quite a large ensemble, and they featured on that concert on the 30th of April 2021. Now this ensemble is made up of Sam Boone on Woodwinds, Cheryl Duron Capistical on Woodwinds, Belinda Woods on Woodwinds, Audrey Pound on Brass, Olive Scott on Keys, Nat Grant on Percussion, Justin Olsen on Percussion, Miranda Hill on Double Bass, Richard Bradby on Bass, and special guest appearance Aaron Roberts on Vocals. And throughout our interview with Adam, we will be listening to Adam perform with Fiona Burnett and Rob Vinks, and all three performing on soprano saxophone, a piece written by Brian Brown called Spacewalk. And then we'll also hear a track from Spirograph Studies that features Tamara Murphy on bass, Luke Howard on piano, Fran Swin on guitar, and James McLean on drums. And that track is called Kindness Not Courtesy, which is taken from their latest album with the same name. So enough of my talking. Let's kick this off and listen to Hepatic Encephalopathy from AIM, and we will then welcome Adam Simmons to the podcast.
Adam Simmons, welcome to the Australian Jazz and Groove podcast. Thank you very much for having me, Dave. Oh, it's fantastic to have you along for another episode. And you are a composer, a saxophonist, an educator, and now the editor of the Dingo Australian Jazz Journal, which is really exciting. The journal, um, that's that's come about. We've it, We launched our first edition um, on April 30th. Uh, coinciding with International Jazz Day um, yep. this year, and um, which came about uh, just partly of over the last few years, I've been trying to get a little more active with some advocacy for the scene, yep. um, and in a particularly as a in a pro bono role uh, that came out of. Victoria's Jazz Industry Strategic Action Plan okay. that was commissioned by the Port Ferry Jazz Festival and supported by the Moyne Shire Council. And that was ostensibly around looking at how to improve audiences for jazz and the survival of festivals. Yep. Um, but there are a couple of more state-based, statewide sort of initiatives they looked at um, for some kind of jazz industry platform about jazz in education and training that was available um, for organisations or, or, uh, or artists, and they they were that wasn't the main core main thrust of the report, but they did put out a call. Port Ferry Jazz Fest put out a call for some volunteers to help maybe look at those and I put my hand up for the jazz industry platform yep. partly because the same idea of needing some industry body got raised at the Stonington Jazz Festival as well. Okay. This is back 2018, I think. Um, my, I've been, my timeline has all been stuffed up by COVID. Oh, yeah, it like everyone's. Like <laughs> Feels like it's years ago. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> a lifetime. But it was so. Yeah, I sort of started doing just looking at how what the scene might be able to, what might benefit from, what's lacking, where things are, and um. So you know, that's sort of the background of me just trying to spruit some ideas and um, uh, writing submissions to Parliament and just disseminating some information to, you know, a slowly growing community. And Cal Barry, who is a sax player um, and a retailer, he runs the music place in South Melbourne um, and also directs the Salvation Army Big Band. Okay. uh, it's been a good friend and colleague over many years and had been getting my emails and went, oh, <laughs> I like what you're doing. Um, do you reckon a magazine for the sector would be useful? And right. I hadn't even thought about it, that kind of, but then it was, yeah, we got to thinking and talking, yep. throwing around the ideas and kind of crazily went, yeah, we could do that. Yep. <laughs> so, um, which was October. I'm pretty sure a discussion started in October last year. Okay. We sort of put together a more formal kind of, yeah, we can do this in December. 
started putting feelers out to some potential writers, contributors, and sort of January through to March created all this content um, and gathered all this content from people from around the place. And um, Cal's partner, Perry, um, is a graphic designer. And so she did the – she's our art director. Yeah, right. So, um, so she spent a few weeks working really hard. Yeah, it's <laughs> and, beautiful, the artwork on the magazine. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Uh, and so it's sort of, yeah, there's a core team of three yep. that really are just going, well, what can we do? How can we help? How can we just create some visibility? Yeah, so, right. Did COVID really – not that we want to talk about COVID, but it, from a sense – from the point of view of it being, um, you know, lockdown, no gigs, did that facilitate a great sort of opportunity for you guys to then go, okay, well, this is a lot of work because it was a quick turnaround, what you're talking about, yeah. what, December, and then you're releasing it in April. So that I could imagine yeah. – and looking at the magazine, it's it's not just a few pages. It's, um, you know, so you guys must have – you must have worked really hard for a long time. You know, sure, we had lockdown, but that still must have been a lot of work. Yes, it's a lot of work. Uh, and yep. we actually, we were aiming for an 80-page magazine, but we ended up with, we've ended up with 116 pages. So it's around yep. about 50% more than we expected. Yep, <laughs> All yep, planned. yep, yep. Um, but it felt good. You have to work in 16-page segments for the style of printing, okay. um, binding. Yep. So to cut out stuff would have meant we, yeah, we would have lost certain bits that we wanted. Yep. Uh, so, but yeah, um, it was a little bit. The advocacy stuff was that I was I've been up to kind of had to really shift because of COVID. Things yep. I was planning I could no longer do. Um. But other things came up. So uh, I had much more time. I was meant to be doing about three months of international travelling and uh, touring with my own projects. Yep. Uh, I didn't have that. I didn't have, you know, teaching got cut, gigs got cut. I, but I, there were a whole other bunch of people in the same kind of boat all forming Zoom meetings and organisations, doing things to try and connect people um, and a, a couple of courses being run. Uh, so I was able to avail myself of these different opportunities that kind of really came about through COVID. Yep. Suddenly, suddenly I could attend all of these meetings because I had time. And I only had to travel to my back shed to attend them all. Things like being able to just connect a bit more with organisations like Music Victoria or Musicians Australia, um, the National Association for the Visual Arts, NAVA. Yeah. They ran a great 16-week program uh, of seminars with different guest speakers each week uh, around advocacy and advocating for the arts. So not yep. that was about visual art, but totally just about engagement um, at a political level. Yeah, so right. uh, it was being able to participate in some things as well as um, just go and do some learning um, 
and observe things uh, and, you know, and connect with a couple of things, international um, things as well, the World Jazz Conference. Okay. Which normally I've been at in person the last few years in Amersfoort in the Netherlands. Yep. That went online. But, yeah, you know, so it's I had time. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And yeah. filled my head with all sorts of different things. And so when it came to doing the magazine, it was like, oh, well, yeah, cool. That sort of allows us to try and, try and give voice to some of the people that have been feeding some ideas to me. Yep. Or um, go, yeah, cool, that sort of advocacy, the suggestions around that, around building community, you're trying to push these ideas or um, just, yeah, it's been a really strange but a uh, a great way to try and bring together various threads of my practice.
Looking at the video you posted on your website about your opening night at the Thornbury um, Theatre, I noticed you had a lot of younger people there performing as well. So do you find that these things that you've learnt about not just being a musician but being able to be in these conferences, learning that whole other side of music, do you think that's really important for young people to get a grip of that for them, you know, coming through? Yes. Um this, that's the simple answer. Um, how best to do that? Um, it because also I've been a festival director, festival of slow music in Ballarat for three years, and I was also the lead artistic lead co artistic director at Wangaratta for two years. Wow! So I've I've been in that kind of curatorial role of where you're trying to again, you know, you're giving opportunities yep. and. It's uh, this is probably a side conversation. I'll, I'll try not to get stuck in right now. Yeah, but it's kind of curious because I feel like in some ways I'm, I've been on the fringes of whatever I'm doing. So 
to become then a festival director or now an editor of a magazine, I am basically becoming part of the the gatekeepers or the jazz police. Yeah, um, right. Okay. <laughs> when you know, um, and you know, you'll be you'll be part of that too in some way, Dave. Yeah, yeah, you I know, can see what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, they're important roles, and I think uh, at. And I sort of realised this many years before I joined those ranks. Yep. Um, yep. And I really feel that those roles are important to have leaders. But do you need everybody when they're young to um, jump into that stuff? Uh, they need you need to be aware of it, I think. But it's also good for a young musician to just be a musician. <laughs> Yeah, I totally understand and get that. Yeah, yep. So, um, but at the same time, I think what we need are some better pathways and we need to see how, you know, how does someone like Paul Grabowski get into that position? Yep. Um, yep. How does someone like Andrea Keller go from, uh, being a musician to an educator to now head of uh, the jazz and improvisation department at VCA. Yeah, um, yeah, yep. You you don't get there just by playing music, mm. but actually, I feel like I I've gotten to where I have because of the music I play yep. and the way that I've gone about it, and so. Um, it's if you if there's a little bit better understanding of what's possible, yep. And and if we're actually trying to help our younger artists see where they might go, um, there and support them in that, mm. then we'll all do better. Yeah. So thinking about your experience playing jazz let's go back to the core of where it started you're playing jazz you're studying at a vca how much does that now inform you as to accepting all of these types of jazz as one of those gatekeeper type people because i know sometimes when i'm listening to an artist that's just put out a recording and i want to get into it and listen do i want to interview them sometimes it's not necessarily something that i would just go and buy but it's made me listen and go, hang on, let's listen to what's going on here. Is that a lot of that you're doing now being informed by your previous life just as a musician? Yes, but I, I guess in, it's not just studying at VCA. There's, there's, one, there's maybe one story about that in particular, but actually the, the, my listening has been informed by my father in particular. Okay. In some ways also the way my mum would play piano. But, um, she'd just sort of improvise these extemporise on classical bits that she'd learnt okay. and just sort of play these extended kind of um, improvs. Um, my dad's a sax player and was a semi-pro, um, just, you know, a hobbyist but, yep. uh, and self-taught but... Uh, a, a very nice claim to fame is he played on Kamal's first Australian gig. Yeah, right. Um, nice. And uh, he's, yeah, he's, he's done some good things, my father. Yep. Uh, Paul Simmons. Yep. Um, but 
his his record collection sort of went from Coltrane, Ornette Coleman, Anthony Braxton, Art Ensemble Chicago, to Philip Glass, Glenn Gould, right, Buddy yep. Guy, um, Elton John, The Beatles, Elvis, yep. um, Yes, uh, Frank Zappa, Captain Beefheart, wow. um, The Rolling Stones, like, yeah, it's an eclectic uh, listening, Juicy Lucy, uh, yeah. <laughs> crazy rock band. You know, it really um, the upbringing that I had musically was very diverse. And watching Countdown every week yep. uh, with Dad usually going, "Oh, that's a bit like a bunch of crap." Oh, that's not bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I've always sort of listened to lots of different things. Then as I got to VCA, it was sort of being pushed a little more jazz. Yep. But I was playing with, I was travelling back to Ballarat a lot, playing with uh, something like the Biggish Band, it was called, um, uh, more a function band but doing middle of the road and jazz stuff um, yep. and more your season pros. Um, or playing with the Dead Salesmen, the Boxing Tostados, the Mavises, um, yep. the Dead Salesmen, much more your student art kind of punk, thrash, folk, um, singer-songwriter bands. Yep. And that playing with them actually helped pay my way through uni. Yeah, right. Um, and they started coming down to Melbourne. Uh, and so what I'm doing these sort of more indie gigs starting to play in the funk scene in the Funk and Wagnalls or compared oh, yeah. to what? Yep, yep. Um, and Fitzroy um, and, and, and then starting to do bits of jazz and my career's definitely been made up of playing all different styles and basically somebody rings and goes, well, we, you know, can you do this? And I go, yes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, right. What do you actually? Oh, yeah, I'll be. I'll I'll work it out. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> so bringing that back to the magazine, I noticed in the cover you've got like the mission of the magazine. Did you want to just talk a little bit about that? Yep. And and I noticed also um, with the title Dingo, um, it's in the magazine, but just a brief sort of explanation yep. as to where yep. that came from. We started out. Um, we. Took us a little while to get the name. So first of all, it was basically took us. You know, the, the mission has been formalised a little later. But yep. basically, we wanted to celebrate the, the Australian jazz scene. Yep. Um, and with you know, Cal's of a like-minded uh, view that it's all jazz. Um, it it's not about whether it's trad, contemporary, it's whether it's swinging or if it's not swinging or yep. um, there's, there's when, in some of the stuff that I have done around advocacy and running a thing, the Australian Jazz Forum last year, getting feedback, of, not input into a parliamentary submission and just asking people, well, what, what is it about Australian jazz that if you could model and um, tell people um, what's the best thing? Like it didn't really matter what people's backgrounds were. The ideas about what unites us um, were actually pretty common. 
um, and which is also uh, uh, an idea that got, uh, you know, I was not as succinct, but Ronnie Farella put it at another meeting, just it's not so much what jazz is as what jazz does. Right, yep. And, uh, and it's, it's yeah, it's sort of just trying to understand that jazz is a, as a process is something that it doesn't really matter what style of jazz, there's something involved in the music uh, that we play that something about the process is similar in all those different situations. Mm. So often, even if you are stylistically different to another jazz player, if you go, okay, let's play Summertime, you'll be able to do it. Yep, that's it. And... And often, you know, at different um, festivals and gatherings of artists, each of the bands, the musicians will be playing different kinds of styles, uh, but then at some point there'll be a jam session and they all, they'll all come together and play a bunch of standards that are the, you know, they're the things that we've all kind of been inspired by in some way mm. and that we can come together and it's the same process, the same skills, and a, and a, an inspiration for the love of this music. Mm. Um, but then we each, we can then go from that into the different approaches that that process can uh, generate.
I noticed you tackled that question in the magazine about what is Australian jazz. And that seems to be a question that gets thrown around. We've talked about it on the podcast before as well. But the thing that came out of the article to me was that it, it, it has a massive multicultural inspiration coming from Australia. Is that something that you found definitely, like no doubt you probably talked about these articles when you before you're putting them together with whoever wrote them. And is that what you found came out of it or was there something else that was intrinsically Australian in there? As, as editor, I, I'm trying to make sure that I don't try and write everything. Yep. It's, it is meant to be lots of different people's voices. Yep. Um, I can't help but try and encourage certain directions, um, thinkings, ideas or prompts. Yep. Uh, but, but I'm also, you know, like I do draw upon uh, hopefully my strengths as a musician mm. uh, when trying to deal with being an editor. Yep. Um, when I when I am struggling to go, oh, I'm, you know, I didn't train to be an editor. It's like, well, as an artist, how, how do I deal with this situation mm. and what are the skills that I can transfer? So the... With the with working with uh, Jake, Amy, and Hugh Heller for the What Is Australian Jazz article, um, it was just trying to go. Well, you know, here's a few people that you could speak with. Um, here's some ideas around what Australian jazz might be. Um, mate, let's just let's try and make sure we're including people from different parts of the community. Mm. Uh, Oh, we haven't got someone there. Oh, oh, actually, it'd be great if we had some. Uh, it was we didn't deliberately, uh, but in the beginning we had um, for that particular article. I think we only had female artists. And oh yeah. Like, oh, uh, oh, we actually need a couple more males. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yep. So in some, you know, so gender was one thing that we were trying to uh, not. Not about filling a quota, but making sure it was included. And well represented. Yeah, and it uh, and that a lot of that actually came more naturally than having to manufacture. Um, so, you know, something like that felt yeah great. As long as we we do need it front of mind, but it's not we we didn't have to pretend, um, and so. And some of so, but that was often coming from the actual writers and contributors and just the projects that are coming up. And so the notion of what is Australian jazz, uh, it was more just, uh, it wasn't going in with too much of a, oh, let's hope we get this. Yep. Yep. It was more, well, what do all of these different people think? And, and I think uh, it was it was good working with Jake and Hugh on it, and I think they were surprised in good ways uh, about the kinds of things that came out. Mm. And and that sense of multiculture, like it's an important one. Um, it's you know like jazz jazz in itself i've tried to argue this before yep. um it's it's actually pretty multicultural um having you know being a fusion of 
kind of largely West African kind of influences mixed in with the um, European sort of, you know, and the, mm. the marching bands and, you know, it's that's a pretty weird mix. Mm. Um, so, and then throughout its relatively short history, it's always incorporated and explored different um, elements from different cultures, you know, Latin jazz or Indian mm. jazz. or mm. uh, And so uh, and, and looking at... Um, looking at the way that it's developed here, you can't help but find those in influences and so it's really and, – and it's not important to actually go and nail it down. No, I get what you mean, yeah. <laughs> um, it's – but there are particular – there are particular things – and some of it we're trying to encourage some discussion around it in the magazine. Mm. Um, but in some ways I'm hoping what we do is just open up more possibilities rather than nail it. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah. It's interesting looking at the list of your contributors there. Is 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 the magazine been sort of like a, an initial step for some of these musicians to go into the writing sort of arena? And how have they sort of tackled that as an editor looking out at them doing it how has that been um yeah we deliberately have tried to engage a range of writers some experienced ones um uh, as well as new or unpublished um you know people that are writing but not necessarily for a, an outlet mm. and just putting it um an example with Jake and Hugh is they're a young group that are trying to do writing on music um, as well as he's a piano player. Yeah, right. Um, uh, so it was like, well, cool. I can I can actually, or as the magazine, we can give these people that are trying to do it, we can actually put them into print. Um, and, you know, we're trying to, we are trying to establish ourselves as, a national magazine, um, you know, and some sort of, dare I say, some sort of authority mm. kind of. Um, so just, you know, by having it in print, may, it means it'll stick around for a while. Yeah. And, um, and so to be able to put some young writers that are trying to do it and actually, you know, paying a little bit of money um, with we're trying to pay our contributors uh, so that, you know, contribute to them. I, I know uh, that there's one magazine I've been told about, an international magazine um, in the UK that as a CD reviewer you're invited to do it and it'll be great exposure for you. Right, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of like, oh, like, couldn't get a little bit of money? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like, yeah. Pay for my internet. <laughs> you know, there's there's no, uh, I, I can assure you there's no money in it and we will be looking to slowly, you know, we, we do need to make this a sustainable 
yeah. it's it's a commercial venture. We're not getting um, any government funding. Um, you know, we had uh, ran a possible campaign, which really helped get things off the ground. Yeah. Um, but reality is, you know, we will be putting money in for the first one and the second one, and yep, yep. But we'll slowly get to a point, I think, where it will be sustainable. That'll that's it kind of needs to get to that level. Yep. Uh, but part of it is making it, it, you know, is contributing to our contributors. Mm, of course. So, so trying to give some young riders who are trying to do it some extra experience and something for their CV might mean that they're still doing it in another five to ten years. Yeah, that's right. And giving and and just inviting musicians to actually uh, contribute and mm. because it's it's actually really good to hear what people have to say mm. uh, I'm sure you're finding that with the podcast that oh definitely you know, <laughs> yeah for those that are maybe interested in getting a subscription can you tell us where we can go to to do that and um you know, how many episodes a year, all those sorts of things. So it's two editions a year, basically April and October. So the next one will be in October. Yep. Um, and uh, it's really easy to find it if you just look up for dingojazz.com. Okay. Uh, and you can sign up for a subscription or just a single edition. Um, uh, if you sign up, via the website for the subscription, then you also get digital access um, to a copy of it. Um, I have to say, actually having a physical copy of the magazine is is really good. Like it's like, you know, when you used to go back in the 90s and you'd go buy a CD and you'd open the cover and you'd read who was on it and then you'd do all that. It's great to actually have it, you know, like we would buy Downbeat magazine when I was a kid or you know, but to yeah. actually have an Australian jazz journal in your hand is like, oh, that's cool. It's going on my bookshelf. <laughs> so I well, encourage people to do that. Thanks, Dave. And yeah, and I'll, I don't know the exact figures, but I reckon of the subscriptions that we've had, uh, probably at least 95% are physical. Yeah, right. So it's actually really encouraging that the physical is what people uh, are interested in. Mm. So, mm. And, and we have, uh, we've deliberately tried to pick nice paper. We went slightly thicker. We, you know, the idea was to make it something that uh, it's not, it's not thin and glossy. It's a little bit more your kind of art design, um, classy, you know, trying to be classy. Yeah, definitely. We like it. Yeah, it is. Well, I'd like you to keep it for a while. <laughs> yeah, well, it would definitely go good in like a on a bookshelf with your books. And I know I've had it. You know, it sounds a bit it sounds a bit desperate, but I've had it beside my bed, and I'm sort of flicking through it, and I read a bit. And I when in lockdown, we had no actually we had no power here in South Gippsland for like a week. It was like mental. And I had my big mag like torch, and I'm in bed reading my Dingo Jazz journal. So it was cool. I'm like, I've got a bit of a connection with this magazine now because of that lockdown. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And, I, uh, and probably um, it might not be in the news agents right now, 
but come October for three months, it'll be in news agents, and the distribution is nationwide. Fantastic. So, um, so yeah, you should be able to find it in a news agent somewhere near you. Yeah. Um, and but if not, yeah, it, it's easy enough. You can find us at dingojazz.com. Thank you.
I know that obviously Dingo is an Australian, you know, connection, but um, I read there there's a bit more to that. Did you want to talk about that? Yeah, we we were really trying to think of something. We didn't, you know, we're sort of like well, thinking of musical terms or jazz kind of hip things and yep. and it was, but we did want something that was Australian in nature. Mm. Um, and we're racking our brains and it's all sort of not quite right and it's, you know, and then it was like, ah, oh, Dingo, that's right, Miles Davis movie, yep. Rolf to here back in the, <laughs> Years ago, um, that's that's an Australian movie. That's Australian jazz. Yep. <laughs> so, um, and then just uh, trying to, you know, understanding a little bit more um, about the movie, the aspirations of the movie, uh, the fact that it was Miles Davis's only film appearance. Um, the learning a little bit about, you know, trying to actually go, well, you know, what what does the dingo mean in First Peoples culture? Mm. Um, all right, it's actually a relatively, it's maybe five to 8,000 years of um, being in Australia. So it's a relatively recent arrival, sort of like jazz. <laughs> uh, and, and the fact that in First Peoples culture, the dingo, uh, it could be a little rugged. Uh, there's a slight sort of wild nature about the dingo, but it might be a guardian um, mm. uh, for uh, for the women and children, um, and and would be kind of worn. Uh, apparently, worn as like pets and almost like clothes garments. Right. They're all reasons why the dingo, as an animal, uh, it's a little mongrel. But it's there and it's played a role of actually nurturing where I feel that jazz jazz musicians are really part of the ecosystem, the music ecosystem. And, you know, in all sorts of places you'll see jazz musicians in wedding mm. bands and theatre bands right. and rock bands and, you know, just doing that little corporate function. You know, yeah. we're around, we'll be there, we can come and do all sorts of stuff whatever you need, um, yep. we'll be able to play the Macarena, you know. That's right. <laughs> um, the chicken dance or whatever. But so we are sort of there, but we're not necessarily loved yep. <laughs> always. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the parallels when you explain it like that are quite, there's quite a lot there. We could probably keep making parallels if you wanted to. And with the movie, it's sort of like, Cool. If if people make the connection with um, the 1991 movie, then it's like, well, that's uh, it's an Australian movie telling a story about an Australian musician that is inspired and connects with this uh, artist that you know is played um, by Miles Davis. Um. So it's a point where Australian film and Australian jazz kind of is connecting internationally. So in, in a humble way, this magazine is also it's trying to put Australian jazz in an international context. Mm. And so um, Rolf de Heer didn't set out to make a jazz movie. He set out to make a mainstream popular movie that had jazz in it. Mm. Uh, 
And it's not that we're not trying to be a jazz magazine, mm. but we are looking for it to expand and um, and hopefully uh, hopefully it is a value to the jazz community, but hopefully there's ways where it can get people interested in what's and, and uh, just to see what's going on in the jazz community. So Dingo jazz.com is where people can go yep. to and get it yep and so i encourage everyone to go and do it and it's just a beautiful coffee table piece too like the artwork is stunning the it's beautifully written and as you said it's got a really nice feel to the paper i noticed that as well so thanks again adam simmons for coming on to the australian jazz and group podcast and all the best with the next episode of the journal it's coming out in october Hopefully we'll get to um, have you on again soon when you've up to your 50th edition of uh, the Dingo Australian Jazz Journal. Thanks so much, Adam. It's been great. Good sharing that journey with you. That was from Microfish, an album entitled Everything in Other Infinities. And that track was called What is Soft is Also Strong. And that was from a January 2021 release. 
and it featured Max Alduca on double bass, Nick Coligaros on trumpet, Holly Connor on drums and percussion, Sam Gill on alto saxophone, Novak Maligovic on piano, Philippa Murphy Haste on clarinet and viola, and Freya Shack Arnett on cello for tracks one, two, and five. We also heard a track in there from the Australian Art Orchestra from a recording called Hand to Earth. And that track was called Gadeka Grenadilla. And that, as we said, featured the Australian Art Orchestra, David Wilfred on Yudaki and voice, Aviva Endine on clarinets, flute, objects and percussion. And that was truly a stunning track to listen to. Well, now we have a special treat. We have a new track from trumpeter and composer Nigel Nordhaus. And this is a track called Gulfos, which is from her new album coming out September 21, 2021, with the same name, Gulfos. And this is a beautiful track. And we're so thankful for Nigel for giving us a chance to listen to this on the podcast early. So thank you very much for that. So I hope you enjoyed this new recording. It's a beautiful recording and it's coming out, as you said, September 21. So this is Gulfos.
Wow, what an interesting track that was. And that was entitled Gulfos from Nigel Nordhaus's new recording coming out September 21, 2021 with the same name. So again, thank you to Nadia for sending us that track early. Well, what an episode we've had enjoying and celebrating the new release of the Dingo Australian Jazz Journal. And thank you to Adam Simmons for coming along and in giving us such a beautiful explanation and a story behind how that magazine has come about. And as we said in the podcast, please go and subscribe to this magazine. It's worth every cent that you pay for it. It's not that expensive and it's beautifully put together, beautifully written. And as we said, it'd make a perfect addition to your bookshelf and your jazz collection, particularly your Australian jazz collection. Well, Thank you again for joining us on the Australian Jazz and Group Podcast. It's my pleasure to bring you this music. Thank you for the artists that sent in their music and for giving us early access to releases that haven't come out yet. But again, we do need your support. So please support us by um, going and reviewing the podcast, whether it be in iTunes, Spotify, whatever platform you listen to it on. Please get in contact with us at Australian Jazz and Group Podcast at gmail.com or through our Facebook or Instagram accounts. But again, it's been so nice to have you along for this wonderful journey of listening to Australian jazz music. And until next time, it's bye for now.